Before we get into today's episode of the Dads and the Docs, we've got to let you know about our best mates, Big W. Mate, they've literally got everything. They've got onesies, they've got prams, they've got car seats, they've got all the everyday nursery essentials. They've got it all. Absolutely. It's all quality, it's all affordable, everything you need from bump to bub. Big W. It's where you go once you know. Welcome back, Dads. It's episode six of the Dads and the Docs, and we are in hospital, Maddie. Man, it's like that that part of being in hospital is just a blur to me. I don't know about you, but I just yeah. I don't remember much of it. Which is why we needed the doctor, why we needed Dr. Chan in the last episode to just remind us because it is like the Wild West. People coming in, you're like in this absolute blur, it's a real haze. It's mate, it's crazy. Are you awake? Are you yeah. asleep? Are you both? Yeah. <laughs> Chances are you're probably both. All right, let's play the music and let's get into the show. Where do new dads go when they need info? They go to the docks. It's the dads in the docks. That's the name of the pod. It's the dads in the docks. Maddie, our first clip that we are going to Dr. Chan for that we're reflecting on before we get to our advice later in the episode is going to be played by Mike right now. The best dads often are part of the best couples. Like I think if you know your partner well, that's probably the best starting point. And I think number one would be try and support your partner as much as you can. I think there are a lot of different ways to do that. Um, depending on your partner, but simple things like changing nappies, um, bringing food, coffee is important, ensuring hydration, making sure that mums eat because mums often forget to eat. Quite often the first thing that mums want, I mean this this is a first world problem, but they want to have their first piece of sushi in nine months. (laughs) They want to get the soft cheeses out, have a glass of wine, that's fine. Just be there to support them uh, with things that, they might forget because they're too busy looking after their baby. I feel like that's just good advice for life, <laughs> like for your relationship. <laughs> Knowing your partner well will help you. It will definitely help. Yeah, because I remember Rach, like we talked about in the previous episode, Rach, was, Rach had a Caesar, and so for a lot of it, you're the legs, like you're the one running. It's difficult for a mum who's just had a Caesar, basically regardless of who they were, because... Like you said, some people will bounce. They'll bounce really quickly if they have a natural birth and they'll be able to walk straight after. If you have a Caesar, almost guaranteed it'll be so difficult. There's like drains. The mum will have a catheter in. There's like blood still everywhere. There's the wound. Like they've been cut open. Yeah, it's like having a full-on surgery and then the next day you're having the, the biggest responsibility of your life yeah. to take care and keep this human alive that you've just given birth to. And you so can't walk. You can't. It's, it's the, as a bloke, the only thing we've pr- probably got to experience is having a really bad hangover yeah. and then having to go to work yes. and deliver that massive presentation or whatever it might be. It feels like you're, you're doing life uphill with one leg. Yeah, but if you know your partner well and they and you can support them in a way that you think they would do that they would like and appreciate as well as asking them because I think and I was guilty of this asking too many questions. What do you want? How can I help? What do you need done? 
like ask a few questions but don't inundate them because the mum is going through such a massive change that like they just sometimes need you to do things without asking. Yeah, the, the other the other thing, someone told me this and it definitely helped for, for Sarah and I was just ask at, at like day two, day three, how are you feeling? Mm. Zero to ten, are you okay? And, you know, give them the opportunity to think and, ref- and, and think, oh, actually, no, I'm not. I'm feeling a bit. How are you going? And I think if you know your partner's tolerance levels, it also really helps because you know what bad looks like for them yep. and how, you know, does she look distressed or is she in a lot of pain? Because I know that my wife normally, you know, <clears throat> has got a really high pay tolerance and right now she's in a lot of pain. This is not normal for her and knowing, yeah, what her tolerance levels are. Which is a really hard thing, I think, to do as dads and I know for me as well in the hospital because you've got this new baby and so much of both of your attention, like we've talked about earlier as well, is now focused on the baby that you need to be cognizant in the moment that you need to talk to the mum as well mm. and see how she's going and try and help with that as well. I remember one of the things we were doing with the colostrum. So I was the syringe guy of the colostrum, which is so funny because like, like boobs are out. There's just like people coming in and like – the partner just eventually desensitizes to all these random people coming into the room and you're there like syringing one mil of this like golden syrup out of your <laughs> out of your partner's nipple it's <laughs> so strange but it's like it's really satisfying again it's those like practical things that dads can do that are really satisfying in yourself and you feel like you've accomplished and been useful Totally. It's like being invited to your mate who's a builder to the job site and helping out for the day. Yeah. You're the apprentice. <laughs> and it's like it doesn't you don't need to really know what you're doing, but just pick up a tool and do something. Yeah, yeah. Start <laughs> shoveling into that wheelbarrow because you need to do something. Look around, take the cues and just get into something. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Mike, moving on. Next clip, please. I reckon as a dad, you should just try and form your own bond with the baby. I think if you get an opportunity do some skin to skin with your baby, cuddle your baby, hold your baby, even just talk and sing to your baby, things that you were doing perhaps whilst uh, your partner was carrying the baby. I think this one's really important as well, uh, forming that own connection with your baby in terms of just doing things with it because so much you'll, you want to give the baby to the mum because it's crying and they need to be fed or they need to. you feel like, a lot of the time you're like, oh, no, baby needs to be with mum, baby needs to be with mum. But I think it's really important to have that baby time with yourself. And the skin on skin, mate, it's sick. The best. It's the best. If, if I think of one of the greatest moments of my life, it was when I got back to the room, took off my shirt, got him on my chest and just stared at him in the eyes for it felt like an eternity and you know we've spoken a little bit about this about the different experience we've had in those first few days but I I definitely it hit me it hit me in that moment I don't know what it is I think the doc talked about the science and the oxytocin and all the stuff that happens inside of you when you get skin to skin contact and and it just something inside of me just overwhelmed me and I was crying look at my boy and I was just the, the ha- in the happiest moment of my life. That's so cool. Because and I have quite the opposite story in that when uh, Celia was born, 
and I expected this like full wave of emotion like the movies and like you experience which is fantastic that you're like oh my god I love this thing and I couldn't love it anymore I silly came out and I was like oh cool like this is pretty cool but like she's just another responsibility and and now I have to look after it and I just went into full like pragmatic practical dad like what can I do to help rather than trying to actually connect Mm. with the baby and with my daughter which is a really strange thing and is a just a nice little like thing to be aware of that you may not feel this full wave of emotion and it wasn't it was because it it happened in such a short period it it wasn't uh like a, a postnatal depression for men which we talk about in future episodes but it wasn't that it was just i didn't feel this immediate overwhelming like all clouds clearing oceans parting love it was like i love this thing and i know i love it but i don't feel connected to it and it took probably i reckon a month even six weeks to feel like fully oh my god this thing is like pretty bloody cool and it's mine or it's ours so i think it's just a good thing to be aware of that you might not feel and it's okay like mm. you can develop that connection and there's ways to do it with like skin on skin or to sit there and sing to it talk to the baby it's so weird i found it so weird talking to a to like this mute little like crying potato on the bed but like talking to it like hey I'm your dad and you're just like speaking whatever comes in your mind. But the best thing is it doesn't matter what you say because he can't understand you, but that will help you form the connection, which I think is, is just it's, – it's pretty cool. And, and you know what? And that can happen to your partner as well. In, in our circumstance, I think Sarah was so overwhelmed for the first few days that she didn't have that moment until maybe three days, four days into the hospital where she was – she all of a sudden felt really connected and was like, this is my boy and really happy. Prior to that, she was just – she didn't have that connection because she was just trying to figure it all out. Yeah, I'm, trying, I'm trying to keep this thing alive. Yeah, and and you can feel really guilty about that, yep. you know, that I, why don't I feel a certain way? I thought it was going to feel like this. And, again, going into it with not too many preconceptions about how you should feel because everybody feels different. In time, you will feel a certain way. And, you know, and, you know, provided you're not, you're suffering from postnatal depression for, for the man or the woman, then, you know, it will come um, when, when it's right for you. Yeah, it's definitely like a let yourself feel how you feel and be okay with how you feel. Because again, like, like we just keep saying, dads have thought, experienced, said whatever you're thinking, experiencing, saying it's been done before, it's okay, you'll get through it. But like... The building of the connection is actually is is really cool. Like it's mm. just a lying there, and as much as I didn't feel this like big wave, lying there skin on skin with her asleep on my chest, watching the telly, is just like an out of body experience. It's yeah, it's amazing. But just yeah, definitely something to be aware of that you may not feel this wave of emotion. But don't worry, dads, you'll be mate, it'll come. You'll be fine. Time for our next little clip, please, Dr. Mike. What are some of the things that I would like a dad to be looking for? Because it's, as I said, it's a team. It's a family. It's a family sort of... Endeavour. Yeah. And, and you should try and work together because you're, you're both going to be sleep deprived. There are, there are going to be some things that go in one ear and out the other with, with either mum or dad. So I, th- I thought it was really interesting that Dr. Chan mentioned about working together. You're both going to be sleep deprived. And I think 
this is the beginning of of you guys working together in a partnership and I think it's really important to be really intentional with who is doing what and what each person role is and actually talking about it. I think, you know, in that that first bit at home, you're kind of making it up as you go. But I think as the days go on, it's really important to say, you know what, you're going to do this and I'm going to do this. And then we're going to swap when you're not feeling okay. And when I'm tired, we're going to swap and we're going to do this. Because if you don't, and you're just trying to assume that you're, if you're going to assume that your, your partner is going to be doing something, they're going to assume the role because, you know, they're the mum and doing it, but they're actually not okay and there's too much for them. So you need to kind of intervene and say, okay, can I help here? Where can I help? Could I take that feed? Do I need to grab this and see what role you play in in that process in the first week? I think it's also because you you have to start working as a team because you have a child to keep alive <laughs> that it's probably the first time for a lot of couples that they will have worked together on something for an extended period of time because most couples don't work together. They're not going to like do the the chores around the house together. You don't really, you pretty rarely cook together, like from start to finish. You pretty rarely like, unless you're in the garden or renovating together, unless you've gone through that, it's pretty rare to actually work together in this close proximity and there'll be frictions, there'll be times where you, you may say things to each other that you don't mean because you are so sleep deprived. So if your partner says something to you and you are a bit offended by it, it's okay because you're sleep deprived and because they're sleep deprived, you may take offense to something that's not that important or that wasn't intended that way and vice versa. They will say, you'll say something and then they'll be really offended by it. But just be aware that because you're so sleep deprived that like you might say and see and do things that you don't actually intend. Yeah. And I think given the situation as the dad, you should really be taking it on yourself to proactively look for the opportunities to help out because, you know, the truth is, is especially in that first week in the hospital, there's not a lot of responsibility on you in terms of keeping the baby alive, If particularly if it's being a, if it's a breastfed child. So, you know, looking for that opportunity, hey, I'm, if your wife's had a C-section struggling to walk, you're the legs now and you need to take that role seriously and say, hey, I'm the legs. I'm going to pick up the baby and I'm going to pass him to you to feed and then I'm going to put him back. And so I'm going to wake up with you to do that. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm going to go and organise the food. I'm going to go – I'm going to be the security for the people coming to see us over the next few days. I come from a Middle Eastern background family. <laughs> In parts of the Middle East, there is a function centre at the hospital. Really? To host, yeah. My brother lives in Dubai and the hospitals that he has been at, there is a full, there's a room that could fit, I would say, about 50 people in there Holy at the shit. hospital, right? That's dedicated for that particular suite. So it's, I could think of nothing worse than that happening, like yeah. on two days after you've just given birth to your first kid, <laughs> totally. having 50 people over. So I had a, you know, a schedule of this is who's coming today, no more, no less. We had a daily thing where we would, we would see, you know, two, sometimes four people in one day, and that was it. And you know, it was all, you know, we'd always have the conversation on the day. You good today? Do you want to do it? Yes, I want to see them. Let's let's do this time. And we kind of got through our immediate family um, first and foremost at the hospital, and told most of our friends that just wait until we get home. I think that's a good tip. I think it's it's okay to burn people. Like it's okay to 
to say, no, you can't come. Mm. Like, don't feel like you're offending anybody, particularly if you're struggling, because the first couple of days in hospital can be difficult if there's, like, cluster feeding or not sleeping very well. It's okay to tell, even if family, like, I mm. would say it's okay to be, just say, look, we'll, you'll see the baby in a couple of days. It's okay, and you're going to have to do that, dads. Mum's not going to be able to say, oh, no, sorry, like, grandma, grandpa, you can't come. That's on you, dad, to be like, look, We'll see you in a couple of days. You've got to be like full-on bodyguard, bouncer at the nightclub style. No, you can't come. And say, you just that's your job. Exactly. And generally people with kids definitely understand. Sometimes it's the people without kids who yeah. don't understand. Or the grandparents, but, which it will be yeah. a diffi- it'll be a difficult discussion. But if it's going to be the difference between mum sleeping and feeling a bit better or feeling stressed and not feeling stressed, it will make the world of a difference. These kids hopefully going to live till they're like 100. The grandparents are going to see them. So it's okay to say, no, you can't come. Totally. And if anyone's listening that is planning on visiting someone at the hospital, definitely be on time and go at the time that you say you're going to be there. That is the biggest thing because as a parent scheduling these people, nothing is worse than when everyone just rocks up at the same time. I had, the, I had a situation in our, when we gave birth to Mallet, I'd organised my parents to be there. My brother had come in from overseas and he had also brought two friends with him from overseas. And he's like, hey, how can, generous. How can, can they come with me to the hospital? <laughs> I was like, okay, cool, but come at this time because we've got Sarah's parents, we've got our parents. But whatever happened, everyone rocked up at the same time. Oh, and we God had damn. eight people in the suite. And guess what happened? Malik did his first poo. Yep. There was... It was like a footy stadium eruption of applause <laughs> and cheers and everyone's hugging and clapping and it turned into a party. And at some point I was like, all right, guys, everyone needs to get out of yeah, this Yeah, turn room. the lights on, this closing is, I can see Sarah slow, like dozing off, like we got we, we to sleep, we got to rest. Yeah, well, I loved that first mech poo. That just oh. a little like Tari thing. It just like bubbled out. It's just sick as. It's, it's quite funny. And because it's so like difficult to clean – but still clean at the same time because yeah. there'll be a lot of messy poos in your future. <laughs> yeah. But like the little mech poo is like, it's all right. Tari's, I can deal with Tari. Yeah. yeah I can deal with that. That's it's, easy. It's the stickiness. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, look, it's, it's the, the last time you'll ever celebrate them shitting. So yeah. <laughs> it can be, <laughs> I found it a little bit ceremonious. It was yeah. like, yes, everyone clapped the shit. Good. Yeah. We got there. It's a good sign. Let's move on. Yeah. Love it. All right, Maddie. quick break from the podcast. Got a message from our mates at Big W. There's one thing that you're going to do a lot of as a dad, changing nappies. And there's one thing that you're going to love when you're changing nappies, and that's zipping onesies. Don't be one of those suckers that buys the press studs. They are the worst. And our mates at Big W, they've got the dimples, coveralls, a zip-through onesie for 7 bucks, which is so cheap. And he's going to pay off in spades when you have a Poonami that comes through. Adam, I've said it once and I'll say it again. They've got it all. They've got quality brands. They've got a massive range. They've got the greatest prices. Big W is where you go once you know. All right, Mike. What have we got next? Any noise that you hear, particularly if it's consistent and persistent and you're not sure what it is, tell someone, ask someone. In, this time, in, in these days, we've got video cameras, record it. If you see something that is a little bit unusual, you think a movement or anything like that, just record it. A video is worth a thousand words. And yep. I, I always appreciate when 
you know, dads take videos and, and show me, oh, what do you think of this? Does, does this look normal to you? So if you're unsure about something, you know, if something confuses you, there, there are no stupid questions. I, I just want you to ask. And invariably, what you ask has been asked thousands of times before. Yep. This is also a running theme from this podcast. There are no stupid questions, just ask. Because it doesn't matter if you have questions about feeding. Like, it's so useful for dads to ask the lactation consultant or to ask whoever it may be, the nurse or the midwife or whoever's coming in to ask about breastfeeding. And I guarantee you, dads, mum will appreciate you taking an interest in how to breastfeed. Don't tell mum how to breastfeed. Make suggestions, ask questions, that kind of thing. But if you can help breastfeed or you can help bottle feed or whatever it may be, but if you can help feed, it will help reduce that mental load for mum that will just be so beneficial. And I think just remembering things, remembering that you're you're sleep deprived, people are coming in and loading you with information. Sometimes it's kind of like, Sarah, I think he actually said this. Like, oh, did she did she say that or did yep. he say that? You know, sometimes you just at that point you you both got half a brain. You need to combine them at some point to kind of get the information across. Yep, write it down. Recorded on a phone. That was another mention from Dr. Chan was if you see something that you're not sure on and if you're like, oh, I don't know if that's the correct way of breathing or he was doing, he or she were doing a bit of a funny thing, record it on your phone. You'll have your phone with you and then show the doctor later and they'll most likely be like, oh, that's fine, completely fine. Don't worry about it. But it'll just help ease your mind. So if you do all the recordings of things that you think may or may not be normal because you don't really know what normal is in the hospital. So doing those little records will help along mm. the way and that's also something that mum doesn't have to worry about doing. So basically you're trying to deload her as much as possible. Totally. And I think, you know, on, on the subject of information gathering, this is the moment in time where you realise how much instincts come into play and that your partner will have these amazing instincts about what the baby needs or what she needs and to go with it. I've, I was blown away by Sarah who would, she would instinctually say, I think it's this or I think it's that, I feel it's this. Mm. And and nine times out of ten she, was, she would be right. I even remember, you know, later on, months and months later on and I would have Malik on my own and she would message me and say, is he hungry? Does he need a feed? And I'd be like, yeah, how'd you know that? She's like, I could feel it in my, my boobs. And I was like, what? This is, and then, you know, and I think actually scientifically that happens. Like there is this connection. Yep. So just listen to your wife. She, she probably knows a little bit more than you Absolutely. just instinctually. Yep, definitely listen to her. And then if you listen to her and she says, I don't know, that's also okay mm. because she might not know and you don't know. And even though people say, oh, you'll know it's your baby and you don't know, it's okay if you don't know because that's what you've got all this help around at the hospital. And so I think as well, back on the recording tip and then asking questions is that there's that rings true even from when you go home because for a lot of dads, especially in the public system, you probably go home pretty quick. Your hospital stay will be 24, it'd be 48 hours, maximum probably 72 if all things are going okay. But that field might feel like it's too quick and you haven't really learned anything, which is why it's important to ask so many questions while you're there because it's your chance to just like raid the information from these people who it's their job to look after that. So don't feel like you're holding anything back or annoying anyone. The more engaged and involved you are, the more the staff will appreciate that you're trying to be involved and help. So I think that's always a good thing. Totally.
So we'll move on to the non-medical advice, the other advice that we wish we knew that we want to bestow on the new dads, Maddie. And the first piece I've got is one of my favourite pieces of advice that I try and tell every new dad. When you do the nappy, and because you, you should be nappy king, when you do the nappy, go to the bottom and there's little like elastic bits on the inside, pull them out wide and that will help stop leakages. Yeah, it's amazing. There's little like wings. There's not like there's like little flappy wing bits, but there's like a tight elastic bit that runs around like the I guess halfway on each cheek, and you pull them out, and it'll help stop leakages. They're amazing, and no one tells you that. No, not one person told me that. No, because if you do the nappy up normally, and then the you don't pull the elastic up, chances are the elastic's going to go up the crack. Mm. And when they go up the crack, that's how you get leakages out the side from wheeze and poos and whatever it may be. But if you pull these little like elastic wings out, it's magic. Yeah, you know, they, they don't come with instruction manuals. So no. Like I, I, went, I was at home for several months before I realised mm. that I needed to pull these wings out. And it wasn't until we realised that when Sarah did, it, did the nappy versus when I did, <laughs> there was always a punami coming up the back. And we realised it was because I wasn't pulling yeah. out the wings. And it stops a punami. Yeah, it does. It's magic. <laughs> it's magic, Dad. Like, again, if you take nothing else from this episode, take the wide nappy wing tip. Look, I, I don't want to overpromise that there will be no more punamis. Yes, correct, yeah. There are some poos that they, they will go through anything. <laughs> They'll run through brick walls. Yeah. As uh, the great Kenny says, there is some that are going to outlast religion. <laughs> there are some big ones out there. Uh, another tip is the hospitals are cold. They're cold places. They're very sterile. The floors are all like that lino weird shit. The walls are all really cold. There's heaps of glass. They're not 30-degree lovely temperature control or 25-degree rooms. They're about 17, 16 degrees, and they're cold. So when you're sleeping there, and the blankets suck. Oh, my God. They're like – I think they're – the blankets all have holes in them intentionally, so if you put it over your head, you're okay. But the the blankets are terrible. Terrible. The worst. Look, you're not checking into the Ritz-Carlton. No. Put it that way. And I, I actually brought my own single blow-up oh. mattress <laughs> <laughs> that fit perfectly on the chair that the dad sleeps yes. on that folds down. It was actually a lifesaver. We few days later, we end up getting upgraded to a, a better room at the hospital. Yeah. We were there for seven seven days, I believe. And then um, we, we moved into a room that had a double bed. And it was actually a downgrade because for Sarah and for I, because all of a sudden <laughs> we're in this little double bed together. So it didn't necessarily feel like an upgrade. And as a side note as well, some dads, you may sleep on the floor. Like there's not always a chair in there that like reclines out into a full single bed. You may be sleeping on the floor like a dog next to their owner. <laughs> you genuinely may be on the floor. So fair warning, bring a little blow-up mattress, bring some extra blankets or something, make sure you pack some warm trackies because it's going to be cold in the hospital. And let me tell you, regardless of where you're sleeping, you will fall asleep because yeah. you'll be that knackered. <laughs> Absolutely. And ask the nurses where you can sleep and when you can sleep and when you should sleep because that's going to be really helpful and you can pass that info on too. But, yeah, just know it's going to be cold, <laughs> freezing, freezing cold. Uh, another thing, we had one of the worst sleeps of our life on the first night. I know Dr. Chan talked about it being often a second second night sleep, but because Celia, like, grunts and, and she was, like, trying to clear all this mucus and stuff, and for most of the time I was just like, 
I can't sleep because I need to know that she's breathing. The amount of times I was like finger under the nostrils to check that there's hot air coming out, watching the rise and fall of the chest, like not only just to watch it to to like love her, but just to be like, God, stay alive, please. Is So I slept really, really terribly. So expect that that is also a possibility. I always imagine that it would be funny to have a GoPro sitting on the cot over those first few nights yeah. and <laughs> counting how many times each parent comes and checks that the ping, baby's breathing. Ping, <laughs> yeah. ping, ping. Mum, piss off. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> trying to sleep. Uh, You'll also, with the amount of people that come into the room, like Doctor, like we talked about with Dr. Chan, how there's like the physio and the genetics people and the hearing people and there's the nurses and the cleaners and the people who deliver the food and there's so many people and lots of, of the people that come in have heaps of advice and often the advice can be different and it's not all correct. So find someone that gives you the correct advice or the, the advice that works for you and just follow whatever they say. That we had this like one midwife, I think her name was Lyndall, and she was like 55. And whatever she said, absolutely bang on. And a couple of the other nurses came in and didn't have the advice that worked for us, and we just had to politely say, oh, cool, thank you, thank you, and then just sweep it. It's okay to sweep people's advice. It's okay to follow who you like and just stick as tight as them as you do to your footy team. Totally. Sarah, Sarah had an experience with a midwife who told her not to use the nipple shields and Sarah was getting to a point where she just couldn't go anymore and she felt almost like she was going to give up after those first few days of breastfeeding. She just couldn't see how she was ever going to come overcome this pain and she ended up using the nipple shields and it then got her through to then to the point where she became so comfortable with breastfeeding. She breastfed for two years wow. after nearly giving up after four days. Yeah. So, you know, she knows that now and goes back and says, you know what? I need to do what works for me and you know I shouldn't have taken that advice but I did at the time because I didn't know better yep absolutely and my last tip for you dads is do not feel guilty about using the hospital nursery if the nurse comes to you in the middle of the night and says would you like us to take your baby off you for a few hours just so you can get some sleep say Yes. Yes, twice. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Get rid of your baby into the nursery. They'll be watched over. You know they're going to be safe. You know they're going to be cared for. You know if they need food, they're going to bring them back. Totally. You know they're not stealing your baby. Get yourself some rest and say yes to the nursery. You've got years with your baby. So one night is going to be – or two nights, three nights, whatever it is, just take it. It is a VIP service yeah. and in every other part of life where you get VIP service, you take it. I, I remember being in there two days and, you know, we had this guilt that, oh, we didn't want to give it to the nursery. I hadn't actually even gone to see where the nursery was or stepped foot in it. Day three, we'll find that we're at our wits and we're like, we, need, we both need, need to sleep. Let's do it for a little bit. Of course, I had a bit of a nap. I got up and I wanted to go check on Malik in the nursery. And I walked in there. There was about 30 babies in a room <laughs> that only had 30 babies in it. And I was like, you idiot. These people have been using this place every night. We haven't used it once. Well, they're going to bring your baby back to you if it needs food. Hospital nurseries are like reverse Uber Eats. They bring the restaurant to you when they need to feed. That's Sorry. right. Hospital nurseries are like reverse Uber Eats. They bring the customers to you. They're <laughs> yeah. delivering them to you when they're hungry. So take the reverse Uber Eats as much as 100%. you can. It's going to be really useful. And it's going to be a blur, dads. But from both of us, good bloody luck. Good luck. Now you know what to do from feeding to poos. You've been with the dads.
Thanks for listening to our Little Dad podcast. We really appreciate it and we would really appreciate if you could also rate and review it wherever you're listening. It would help to share it around if you gave it five stars and wrote a little note. We really want to get this information out there so new dads can be of more use than we were when we were useless new dads. If you want to get in touch with us, We've got an email, thedadsandthedocs at gmail.com because we're tight asses and we couldn't afford an actual email because this is a little independent podcast of our own. If you want to get in touch with us on the socials, at Adam Denston or at Maddie underscore EF or the dads and the docs. It's across TikTok. It's across Instagram. Check them out. Give it a follow. Tell all your mates as well. Share all the posts around. We'd really, really appreciate it. Also, this episode was produced by us, Maddie and Adam, and also by Radio Mike. You can find him at Radio Mike on his socials. And the intro song and outro song were made by at Mikey D. Graham. Mikey D, legend, very catchy, and we really appreciate that too. All right, that's enough rambling from us. Thank you for being a part of the show. We look forward to the extra episodes. Time to get back dadding. It's time for us to get back dadding too. So we'll talk to you next week. And one more thing to add before we do head off, the information in this podcast is very general in nature and intended to help everybody prepare for what is to come in as best way possible. But if you do have any concerns or queries or questions about your health or your baby's health or your partner's health, please go direct to your health practitioner. They will be able to answer your questions in the best way possible. There's also so many resources out there for people who are struggling, Lifeline, Panda, the Panda helpline is fantastic. The Maternal Child Health Nurse hotline. Also, talk to your friends and family. Good luck out there, everyone. See you later. Now that we've finished that episode of The Dads and the Docs, we've got to thank our best mates at Big W. Mate, don't I have a deal for you? Huggies value pack of nappies is only 46 bucks at Big W. That's saving 13 bucks per pack. And once you buy about a million nappies that you're going to need, That's a lot of savings. Exactly right, Maddie. And not only have they got them, they've got quality, they've got affordability, and that's why they are our best mates. Big W, it's where you go once you know. Offer dates 26th of the 10th to the 8th of the 11th while stocks last.